Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I'm glad that you're with us. Uh, we have with us again for this week's episode, Jameson Stewart. Uh, Jameson, I said last week that we were going to reveal your favorite college football team. Don't talk about your professional sports today. We'll, we'll do that next week. We'll reveal your professional sports next week. And I wonder if anybody will be able to guess when, they, when you tell them what your favorite college team is. Um, because that would be an interesting thing to think about. But... Before we do that, keeping you on the edge of your seats, I hope, please make sure to check the show notes, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, check out our, our you know, our email, thescatterthebroadnetwork at gmail.com, and whatever it is you're doing today. Maybe you're running, setting a fantasy football lineup. I don't know why you'd be doing that because it's probably May at this point, but if you're doing that, wow, great for you, you know, I'm probably doing that, but awesome for you. Whatever it is you're doing, we're really glad you're taking some time to sit with us and study the Bible. Before we get into the show today, Jameson, what's your college team? My college team is the Ole Miss Rebel Black Bear Landsharks, whatever they are now. <laughs> whatever whatever they're called today. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's changed. Maybe there's a fifth name. You know. Oh, me. Could you imagine? The, the Ole Miss Teddy Lane Bears. Kiffins. Yeah, the Lane Kiffins. How uh, do you think it's looking... At the time that we're recording this, I have not seen anything. So I, I hope looking ahead to to early or late spring of 2022, I hope that Lane Kiffin is still our coach. Yeah. <laughs> and that we have just won the national championship. But sitting in 2021 right now, having not yet played Alabama, I know that's hopeful, but yeah. unlikely. Well, you know, the the funny thing is, the very first week, Clemson lost. Then the very next week, Ohio State lost. And I saw a meme that said, we should probably just give the trophy to Alabama now because they really have no competition outside of Georgia. And they'll probably see them in the SEC championship game and play them then. So, you know, maybe that should be the championship this year and just hand the trophy to whoever wins that game. Hey, as long as Alabama has that mindset that just hand us the trophy That's now. right. Hey, that that's all I want. And we is, both we both know they don't. Nick Saban's probably yelling at him about the fact that they won a trophy last year and allowed a couple of touchdowns. So he probably um, convinced them that Mercer should have beat him. I imagine so. <laughs> I have to give him credit there. I I would love hopefully one day to be so enamored with success and desiring success that I am angry <laughs> when a field goal is kicked. In a, in a in a in a game like when when the Steelers played the Bills in Week One, and we went down three nothing, I was like, "Hey, just a field goal!" You know, Nick Saban would be like, "I cannot believe we allowed a field goal." That's impressive that you can have that mindset because your team is that good. Maybe Ole Miss will, will get there with Lane Kiffin, probably not, but maybe they will. Um, I, hey, I'm not. I, I mentioned this with Robert Jeffries. I had him on just a few weeks before you showed up. Him being a Razorbacks fan, they look pretty good so far yeah. as of the time that we're recording this, but. I'm a Nebraska fan. It doesn't look good for me anytime soon. No, it doesn't. You know, I, I am also an Ohio State guy because the Steelers draft a lot of players from Ohio. But outside of that, I mean, you know me. I'm not big on f- college as much as I am the NFL. But it, a lot of it comes down to discipline, which is what we're talking about today. Now, Ole Miss, unfortunately, has been on the wrong end of discipline over the years. And... uh you know, we could talk a lot about that. I won't put you through that. I know you're probably getting PTSD just thinking about it. But discipline is twofold when we talk about it usually. 
you got discipline from the idea of I'm going to train my body to do something. So if I want to run a marathon, I got to get up and exercise. I got to get up and run. I have to discipline myself to do those things. If I get a new job and it requires me to work a 3 a.m. to 3 p.m. shift, I got to discipline my body to be able to get onto that schedule. That's one side of discipline. The second thing, though, the other side of that is what we're talking about today. When you have to reprimand someone, and as we're talking about family vacation, talking obviously not with a husband and a wife, you know, the wife does not have to worry about being, you know, put in her place by the husband, nor should the husband have to worry about being put in her place by the spouse. You know, like I've seen the the videos of the wife saying, well, you're grounded from going out with your friends for a month. I'm sorry, you don't have that right. And the husband can't say that to you either. Well, you don't get to go shopping next week. That's not how, that's not the discipline we're talking about. We're talking about with our kids. You said you got three kids. I now have two. One of them is four going on five this year, and that's that's 2022. Right now he's three going on four. But the other one is, you know, maybe a few days old, maybe a few weeks. We don't know yet. We'll figure it out. Maybe y'all are getting to sleep at this maybe point. Maybe we're sleeping. You know, um, <laughs> maybe I'm up. You know, th- these episodes go live at 4 a.m. Maybe I'm up right now yeah. with my new baby. Um but the idea of discipline, there has to be a reason for it. And I, I want to read a verse from Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 5 and 6. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6, where in this, I'm going to, I like the ESV's rendering of this a little bit better than any other versions. I, I don't typically use the ESV. I don't have anything really dead set against it by any means, but I don't use it as my primary Bible. But at first, verse 5 and 6, I really like this, where it says, Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So, I mean, Jameson, the first question we got today is what makes discipline necessary? Well, in thinking about that, you know, I'm reminded that the words discipline and disciple, very similar, and really they have, you know, same root words, same root meaning. And I thought about that, and it's discipline, especially as we're talking about the negative side, you know, the the consequences side, is necessary because someone fails to live up to the standard. They, they fail to meet the standard. And you tie that in with disciple, my mind is especially in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, we are supposed to be disciples of Jesus mm-hmm. because he is the standard. Right. And so we follow the one who is our standard, and we are children of God, as you read there in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 6. And discipline is necessary when, as disciples, we don't live up to the standard as we should. Yeah. Um, and thinking about as far as our children go, discipline is designed is to show our children how to live. It's like, hey, this is, you know, maybe the good way. Hey, this is this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to live. This is what this is what pleases, you know, your mom and dad. Do this. And then the negative side is to really discourage them mm-hmm. from living differently. Um I'll tell a story. It's not really discipline involved. It's more of a more of a hard life lesson for my oldest son, Nate. Uh, the other night, he 
he was in the bathroom, and I don't know why, but he decided he wanted to to pick up a razor that was laying oh, there. Man. And poor kid, he he hit his thumb or touched his thumb to the blades, and boy, he took a few layers right off the top of his yeah. thumb. It bled like crazy. And it's like, you know, Terrible we, we, you know, we discipline our children right and wrong. Right. I've hope I had told him at some point, you know, stuff like that. Hey, don't touch the stove. Yeah. Leave the razor alone. Why? Well, because I'm trying to discourage you from going down a path that yeah. I've experienced before. Yeah. You don't want to do it. Um, and so, but you know, sometimes as parents, we think, well, Maybe I didn't tell him everything. Yeah. I should have told him about the razor. Sure. But, but now he knows. Well, and I, I jokingly, I don't know if you heard me, but when you were describing that, I jokingly said, terrible father, yeah. that you left your razor out. <laughs> but one of the preacher buddy of mine, good friend, love his family, when his two-year-old girl was doing something that she really should not have been doing, she slipped and fell and hit her head. Mm. And once he knew she was okay, he just looked at her and said, it's kind of what you get. And he walked away, and I was like... <laughs> Wow. And at first it was like really shocking because I was like, that's so harsh. You know, I'm surprised. And then I realized what he was saying is like, if you hadn't been doing that thing, you'd be fine. Yeah. And so now Adam, when he does something like that, if Adam came to me and said, I cut my thumb, you know, and I told him stay away from the razor, I'd say, hey, kid, this is why we don't touch the razor. Yeah. You know, it's kind of what you get. You know, I'm glad you're okay, but... A valuable life lesson. It's it's a valuable lesson to realize, hey, mom and dad aren't just being mean. They really do think about me and are considerate of me. Now, I, I do want to point out, some people think of discipline as, you know, an unnecessary flex by the parents. You know, this is my house. These are my, this is my world. You're living in it. And they think it's fun for a parent to discipline their child. And I'll ask you if that's true or not in just a minute, but I want to point this out. In Hebrews chapter 12, where we started out, in verse 11, it says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Take, for example, when I was in kindergarten, I was ready to start, five years old. I'm so excited to go to kindergarten. But you know exactly what they made me do before I went to kindergarten. Got to get your shots. You got to go and, and get your shots. And I'll never forget, as long as my memory is working, Sitting on that table, and the woman coming in with that little kit that they bring in with all their needles and stuff in it, and I was like, oh. And she goes, I'm going to prick your thumb, and we're going to take some blood or whatever. And the the prick didn't hurt. My five-year-old brain saw blood coming out of my thumb, which I knew was not supposed to happen, and I started wailing. And another time when I had strep and they needed to give me a shot, I ran out of the doctor's office. They had to bring me back in, and four people had to hold me down to give me the shot. I don't like my shots. My mother was present at both of those occasions, and that woman made me get shots. So when Adam was ready, I know my mama loves me. You know, mom, if you're listening, I, lo- I love you too. But when Adam was ready at that young age to go for his first checkup, routine checkup, and had to get his shots at that young, young age, when you can't explain it to him, you know, he doesn't understand English yet. He doesn't understand anything except somebody sticking me with something and it hurts. And I don't like the result of it. As a joke, so that for posterity's sake, we recorded it. And while we're recording it, I said, 
isn't mama so mean to make you get these shots? Daddy's not supportive of this, you know, over and over again in the video. So that when we watch it later, I can say, see, son, I was on your side. I didn't want you to have to deal with that. <laughs> but that, the idea is it didn't make Megan feel happy that Adam was crying like that. It didn't make me feel happy. I was making a joke out of it because that's how I cope with things that don't make me happy. I joke. But people think that we discipline we spank, we, you know, ground, we do whatever, we take away devices, whatever it might be, because we get some thrill out of it. Is it really fun for a parent to discipline their child? Well, and I think, as as you've been saying, I really hope not. Right. Yeah. Um, you imagine, oh, I can't wait, he's getting his shots today. I, I, I'm so excited. I, I will say, it's, I mean, as parents, you know, disciplining our kids uh, it shouldn't be something we take joy in. I yeah. mean, you know, you look at God in Scripture and throughout the Old and New Testament and look at his dealings as it's described with, you know, his children, you right. know, his people. And what you'll find is when consequences, punishment, discipline comes into the picture, you find God has no pleasure he he receives no pleasure from yeah. doing it. Um, 2 Peter 3, verse 9, for example, talks about how God doesn't want anyone to perish. Right. There will be consequences. That's right. But that's not what God wants. That's right. Um, Ezekiel 33, 11, an Old Testament reference, God has no pleasure in the wicked perishing, but he desires them to turn and repent. God, God does not like, he does not receive joy from people having to be disciplined, people receiving punishment. That, that's not what he wants. Um, and you think about, is it fun for a parent to discipline their child? You know, the, the need for discipline implies that the standard's not been met. You know, mom said this, dad said this, and that was the standard. And despite warnings and urgings and encouragement, to meet the standard, you have not met the standard. And as parents, you know, we take no pleasure in the shortcoming and the failure of our children. You know, it doesn't, I mean, I think when we think about it that way, if right. we do struggle with finding joy somehow in this, it's, it's not a joyful thing to see any of my children fail at anything, to right. fall short of any, whether it's serious or whether it's something as, you know, whether it's something as simple as Nate is highly competitive, my oldest son, and he loves any sport, baseball, basketball, football, soccer. He'll play it all. Highly competitive. He hates to lose. Yeah. Um, and, you know, his baseball team won a lot his first year. and But they lost some too, and, and I could see it on his face how bad he hated to lose. I mean, that's a failure that – it's not really all that significant. But yeah. even as a parent in that moment, I don't like to see him fail. But, uh, you know, as parents, that's not enjoyable. Yeah. And you, you think about like Amos chapter 4, where God says to the Israelite people, I gave you cleanness of teeth. You know, he didn't take them to the dentist, but he gave them no need to go to a dentist. You know, there's no food in the land. There's a famine. I withheld rain. I overthrew some of you as, as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah in verse 11, and you were like firebrand plucked, plucked from the burning. But you've not returned to me. That was his, his you know, statement over and over again. Yet you've not returned. So he says in verse 12, prepare to meet your God. You know, here it comes. And Deuteronomy 28, we were told in school over and over again, 
Don't forget Deuteronomy 28. Don't forget Deuteronomy 28. The last part of that chapter is all about the cursing is, that's going to come upon them, and it was captivity. And that's what God's saying here in Amos' time is, all right, prepare to meet your God. You want to play this game? I've tried. I have warned. I have withheld. I have done all of these things, and you have not returned to me. So whose fault is it now? Well, it's their fault. And God, you know, he never originated the phrase that I know of. I've never found it in the Bible of the whole, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And as a kid, I hated hearing that. I'm thinking, well, let's switch places then. You know, if if you really think this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you, let me spank you then. I'll be fine with that, Dad. You know, or let me ground you for a month, you know. But then I got to have a child. And when he disobeyed, that first test of, do I put my foot down? Do I tell him he needs to change? Or do I try to be his friend and not say anything and hope that it works? But as we kind of bring it to a close, you know, I'll answer this and then throw it to you for some final comments here. But what happens if we don't discipline our children? I've got a story about this. I was watching some investigative discovery documentary. When I was growing up, my mom and dad loved those. They devoured them, you know. And I was like, this is the dumbest thing. I don't know why in the world. Now I find myself like, ooh, let's find out what happened in this story. And, it, you know, it, it's kind of crazy how we become like our parents and don't even realize it. But I find myself watching a lot of those from time to time. And I was watching one in particular, and they asked this, you know, criminal on the stand in court, why are you this way? I thought his answer was particularly interesting. He said, I was never expected to respect authority when I grew up. I grew up in a house where I wasn't expected to obey my mom or dad, wasn't expected to obey my teachers, wasn't expected to obey anyone, coaches, whatever. And so when I got out into the world, I wasn't going to respect the world's authority. And I thought, right there, that's the poster child that we need to be using to show people and say, here is a man who was on record as saying, a big reason that I'm in the place where I'm in, where I'm at right now, I'm a criminal, I'm on trial, is because my mom and dad did not raise me to respect authority. Now, I'm not meaning that to say that if his parents would have raised him better, that he may not have been a criminal. Some people still do that. Ezekiel 18 still in the Bible. You know, it's the sin, the sinner that has to worry about dying, not the not the father, not the son of a, a father who's a sinner. The soul that sins will die. But if I don't teach my children at all to do what's right, and I never tell them to respect authority, would I really be surprised when I turn the news on and find them to be convicted of of some type of crime if they've never been raised to respect authority at all? Now, that that's that's my part of this from the secular side of it. From a biblical side, what happens if we don't discipline our children? Well, our children will likely then develop a mentality that says, hey, I do what I want to do. Yeah. And, there, and I don't have to suffer consequences for it, too, which is, you know, you add that on top of I do what I want, and then there won't be any consequences. That's a very dangerous mindset. But that's what the lust of the flesh is in Galatians 5, 16 through 26. It's I live life the way I want to live it. Right. That's what the lust of the flesh is. I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. Um. And as you as you said, they'll not respect authority, whether that's God, whether that's the government, as Paul wrote about in Romans thirteen one through seven, whether that's 
the elders, shepherds of a local congregation of the Lord's church, Hebrews 13, verse 17. Um, you know, and in thinking about this question too, especially as, you know, parents who are Christians and they're trying to raise their children, teach them what the Bible says, I think it's very important to think about this specifically. Yeah. Um, you know, as parents, what are what are we teaching our children if we talk about how bad, you know, it is to, uh, you know, we'll just use a, an outdated example, hopefully at this point, how bad defund the police was. Right. Uh, but we complain about the elders in front of our children, you know, where they can hear us. You know, it's bad, you know, this disrespect of authority, a hey, no good. Right. You know, but it's okay to disrespect the authority of the elders over here when we disagree with it. If we do that, what we're teaching them is only to submit to authority when they agree with it. Right. Um, which, by the way, isn't submission at all. <laughs> submission implies, I don't know that I like this, but submission is I'm, I'm going to submit my will. Uh, so I think as parents raising our children, you know, I want my children to submit to God. I want my children to submit to the government, to the elders of the church. And it's, I have to, we have to show that in all areas of our life, you know, and show them that, hey, as you said, respecting authority, it matters. Yeah. Because it doesn't just matter. I think a lot of people think about, you know, as the secular side, you know, you'll grow up to be a criminal, which very well could happen. But on the and on the spiritual side, the problem is there is if you don't respect authority, how are you going to serve God? How are you going to how are you going to be a functioning part of the body of Christ? When what happens sometimes is those people become, I guess, what are often called church hoppers. Yeah, I don't like what that happens. I'm going to go down the road. They'll be there a couple of years. And then they'll move somewhere else. Why? Well, the problem is, is they don't respect authority is what that all boils down to. And the sad thing is, is they're teaching their children the same thing. Right. Um, so, yes, as far as discipline goes, disciplining our children is so important. And, you know, being consistent with it all, too. When the eldership makes a sinful decision, yeah, that's different. There's no, there's no submission. Yeah. If there are officers of the law that are making bad decisions, there's no submission. That they, those people do need to change. Yeah, it's the same with what we expect for our children. But if my children, you know, like you said, hear me get into the car and go, man, I can't stand our preacher. You know, I just, yeah, he he's not biblical in his, his presentation. He's not dynamic. I just, I, I can't stand him. They're gonna grow up one day and they're gonna go to a congregation. And their whole mindset about their minister there is going to be, he's trash. He's not worth anything because that's what my mommy and daddy have taught me the whole time. Or if, if they talk about the elders, man, I can't believe the elders had the audacity to ask us to do fill in the blank. That's so cruel. That's so wrong. Is it a matter of doctrine? Well, no. Guess what? They have the right to do that. And submission, as you mentioned, is saying, I'll do it. When I served at the Somerville Church of Christ, you know, at the time that we're recording this, I'm still there. I can honestly say there were some times where the elders would make a decision, and I wasn't sure about it at first. But submission to the eldership is saying they know something that I don't know. And if it's not a sinful thing, God expects me to submit to them. 
Yeah. And there have been times where I even I've made the statement to the elders of I don't really know much about this, but I trust your judgment. I've got your back. And when someone would come up to me and ask me about it, I'd say, the elders made a decision. And I believe that they made the best decision they can. I think they took time and effort and prayer, and they considered that what was going on. They made that decision. Same is true where I grew up at South Haven. Same is true at Jackson Grove where I worked. Same is true now at Forest Hill. All of these things that are happening, you know, now that I'm with the Memphis School of Preaching and doing all these things, elders will sometimes make what are considered to be unpopular decisions, but they're not doctrinal decisions. And therefore, submission, you know, submission means I say, okay. And when I teach my children to not submit, I'm teaching them to be disobedient. I'm not making them a disciple. I'm, te- I'm telling them, do what you want to do. It's fine. Totally fine. You can do whatever you want. I'll support you. And that's wrong. Yeah. We've got to expect some type of standard. Do you have anything else you want to add before we close out? Perfect. He said no. <laughs> so um, he actually waved me off like I was just some you know peasant. No. Run out of soap over here. That's right. Just, <laughs> you take it, Clark. Um, <laughs> next week, we're going to talk about some of Jameson's professional teams that maybe you don't know about. I would be curious, though, if you think you know what Jameson's favorite football team is, send us an email, thescatterthebroadnetwork at gmail.com. Maybe if you get it right, we'll send you something. We'll see. Probably not. Don't quote me on that. We don't have a lot of money, guys. We don't, we don't have the ability to just hand out free stuff. No, maybe we'll get you a sticker in the mail or something like that. That'd be fun. But if you have anything else that you would like to put to the Scatter the Broad Network's attention, check out the show notes with our email. Send us any suggestions. Maybe you got an idea for a topic, an episode, something like that. We'd be happy to hear it. Next week, we're going to close out with disagreements, handling disagreements. And Jameson and I have been married long enough to know you don't always get along, and you have to figure out how to handle those disagreements. So tune in next week. We'll tell you about Jameson's favorite teams in the professional side of sports, and we'll talk about disagreements. But until then, let's please God now so our eternity is far better. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use. And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.